Welcome to It Happened, But I Got Through It. I'm your host, Shawnee. New episodes will be available every Saturday, and you can listen on Spotify, Apple, and Google. Before I get started, I just want to say I thank God for bringing me through and getting me through some things so that I'm able to sit here and tell you how it happened, but I got through it. Because honestly, I can't take credit for any of it because if it was up to me, I would still be stuck. So I just invite you guys to take this ride with me because this is new to me. Well, yes, podcasting, but what I'm referring to is being transparent and being vulnerable. Because somewhere down the line, I lost my ability to be vulnerable. And it's not because I wanted to, it's just that going through life and dealing with the things that I've dealt with, it just disappeared, you know, because my vulnerability just disappeared because I'm, I'm guessing that was my, (laughs) that was my protection mechanism to not be vulnerable, to not be transparent. You know, all my life, I've been a victim. I've been a victim to heartache. I've been a victim to pain, lots of hurt, bullying at a young age, rape, molestation. So dealing with all those things, you know, and never taking the time to heal, never having the time to heal, it all just took a, it all just took a toll on me. And that made me not be, you know, that made me not want to be vulnerable because I never wanted to feel that hurt again, you know, and even now, even now through my healing process, it's still hard for me to be vulnerable, you know, because certain things, certain words, certain actions, you know, it triggers a memory. And whenever that memory is triggered, you know, it's like, you know, it's like I told myself, oh, no, I can't go back to that place. You know, I don't want to go back to that place where I felt like I was so vulnerable that people could take advantage of me. You know, so I'm (laughs) so as hard as I try to be vulnerable and transparent. It's like, it's like my mind and my heart, you know, it tells me not to be because I don't want to, I don't want to hurt anymore. You know, in this season, I don't want to hurt because, you know, I'm happy. Like I'm happy. I'm at peace and my happiness, my true desired happiness, my true desired peace, you know, this was it was a long time coming because where I'm, where I'm at right now, where I'm at, this peace, this joy, you know, this undeniable happiness, I've never been here before. So I'm trying, you know, I want to protect it at all costs, but I know that, you know, I know that I have to, you know, I know that I have to let my, my protection go. I know that I have to start being more vulnerable. I know that I have to start being more transparent. It's just hard. But, 
you know, I really, I really didn't know where to start. <laughs> so, you know, I guess I'll just give you guys a background so that you'll, you'll have a look into me. You know, so I come from, I come from a very toxic family, you know, and when I say family, I'm not just saying, you know, the household that I grew up in, I mean a toxic family, you know, period, and, you know, growing up for me, it was, it wasn't all hard, it wasn't all bad, but when it got hard, it was hard. And when it got bad, it was, you know, it was very bad. So, at a young age, you know, at a young age, I I was a victim to, you know, I fell victim to depression at a very young age, you know. And my depression, it stemmed from, it stemmed from feeling like I wasn't, loved it stemmed from feeling like I wasn't wanted around you know and my safe place to escape from that was my grandparents house and you know over there I never had to question whether or not I was loved I never had to question whether or not I was wanted around you know I never had to question that you know, when I think back, I remember, I remember the hugs, I remember the kisses, I remember the laughter, you know, I remember, I remember the urge to want to spend time with me, the urge to make sure that I was happy, you know, the efforts to make sure that I was happy, the efforts to make sure that I knew I was loved, I remember that. You know, and every time I think back, it puts such a warm feeling in my heart. You know, I can still see myself. (laughs) I can still see myself as a young girl in diapers, you know, walking around in diapers with my T-shirts on, you know, sitting, sitting with my granddad on his favorite recliner, watching TV, you know, watching cartoons. You know, I can still see myself. I can still see myself in that place and you know being in that place it warms my heart because you know back then I needed you know back then I needed that you know back then I needed that because whenever I was home I really didn't feel like I really didn't feel like I was wanted around you know I I really didn't feel that and um you know growing <clears throat> excuse me growing up you know I was I'm the oldest of three other siblings you know and at a young age I became I became the babysitter you know and that's not uncommon in a lot of black families you know in a lot of black families the oldest or you know the older they're usually, they usually become responsible for their younger siblings, you know, so being the oldest, that's what I was, I was responsible for my younger siblings, and, you know, 
people (laughs) people laugh when I tell them this but you know it's like I spent so much time I spent so much time at my grandparents house so you know it's like every time I came home it was a new baby you know and (laughs) like I said people laugh but it's the honest truth you know because like even my baby sister I didn't know my baby sister was my baby sister the first time I saw her. I remember I remember walking into the house from if I'm not mistaken, I came I was coming from a Girl Scouts camping trip. Um cuz that that was my thing, you know, my grandmother enrolled me in Girl Scouts. So that was my thing, that was my niche. So I remember walking in walking in back home from coming from my Girl Scout trip and my aunt she was holding a baby you know and I asked her I was like I was like Nana when were (laughs) when did you when did you get a when did you get a baby you know when did you have a baby you know and she looked at me and she was like this isn't my baby this is this is your mom's baby this is your new baby sister and I was like you know whoa wow you know and you know even though I was happy even though I was happy to have, you know, another sister, it also, you know, it also made me feel like, dang, you know, another person that I have to, I have to help take care of, you know, and, you know, it was just like, it was just like, wow, and, you know, being at home, like, being at home, I never felt I never felt like I was wanted there. Like, don't get me wrong, you know, with my siblings, you know, we had, we had some good times, you know, we had fun together, but, you know, just being present in the home, I never really felt like I was wanted there. I never really felt like I was loved there, you know, and when I try to, when I try to think back to a time where I felt like excuse me when I try to think back to a time where I felt like I was loved at home when I try to think back to a time where you know my mom wrapped her arms around me you know to tell me that she loved me or to just give me a hug to give me an embrace I can't think back to any of that I can't remember any of that you know and I'm not saying that it didn't happen I'm just saying that I can't think back to a time. I can't remember a time where it happened, you know? And that's sad. But I can remember the whoopings, the unnecessary whoopings, you know? I I remember those, but I can't remember a time where I was loved. I can't remember a time where I was read a bedtime story. I can't remember a time where you know we just sat down as a family and had laughs like I can't remember those times you know and for me you know for me that it really bothers me you know and for a long time for a long time that's that was a part of the reason that I stayed depressed you know and up until up until just a couple of months ago 
you know, I didn't even realize that I was functioning in depression, you know, and people don't, people really don't understand, you know, people don't even, people don't think that it's a thing, but functioning in depression, that, that is, that is a thing, you know, it, it's such a big thing, and, you know, I would, I would love for more people to become aware, you know, because for a long time, I thought, for a long time, I thought I was just lazy, for a long time, I thought I was just, you know, I just, I didn't, I really didn't know what to think, but, you know, seeing me then, and seeing me now, you know, I, I realized that for most, (laughs) for most majority of my life, I have been functioning in depression, you know, and just going back, you know, like I said, whenever, like I said earlier, being at my grandparents' house, that was, that was my safe place, you know, that was my escape place, but all that changed when I was 12, when I was 12, you know, it's like everything started going downhill for me, and, you know, I know some people will listen to this, and they will be like, girl, you're just being dramatic, but I'm not even, I'm not even being dramatic, I'm, you know, I'm so serious, when I turned 12, that's like, that was like the downfall of everything, you know, and, you know, and every, whenever I think back to where my life took a turn for the worst, you know, I go back to when I turned 12, because that was the turning point, so I know the big question is now, what happened, well, Whenever I was 12, my grandparents got a divorce, you know, and honestly, I didn't even know they were having problems. You know, I, you know, some stuff I saw, like, my grandmother, um, like, you know, and and most of it was from my grandmother, you know, like, there, I remember minor arguments, but, you know, I don't remember anything too huge, you know, I don't remember too many blow-ups because, you know, they hit, you know, they hit that from me, you know, they made, they may have had them when I wasn't there, but when I was there, you know, it was like we were a loving family, you know, but like, but like, when I was 12, my grandparents, they got a divorce, um, and whenever they got a divorce, you know, it's, it's like they became different people, and I want I won't necessarily say they became different people. They they became different people to me. You know, I'ma just make that clear. They became different people to me because how I knew them when they were together is not how I knew them when they were apart. So, you know, many people think that I was closest to my grandmother, but that just wasn't the case. I was always the closest to my granddad, you know, and I think I was more drawn to him because my dad wasn't around, you know, his son, um, my dad's name is Reginald, um, you know, even, even though he wasn't around throughout my life, you know, throughout my depression, he really helped me out a lot because he got me into poetry and, you know, I know many people are listening, they're like, you just said your dad wasn't around physically he wasn't around because he's been locked up since I was about two years old you know 
but I still got his, you know, we still did letters back and forth for, you know, we did that on and off. And, you know, when I was going through it, he really helped, even though he didn't know that, you know, he didn't know the big impact that he had. You know, he helped me a lot because whenever I got it, you know, whenever I start writing, that became my outlet. But anyway, you know, I think I was drawn more to my granddad because my dad wasn't around. And see, on my dad's side, on my dad's side, I'm the only child. So my grandparents, when I say my grandparents, they actually were just my grandparents, even though, even though, you know, they welcomed my sisters, my brother, they, they welcomed them with open arms. You know, sometimes they would even go over there with me sometimes, but overall they were my grandparents you know but you know I was closer to my granddad than I was closer than I was to my grandma and unfortunately you know when they got a divorce I had to start spending more time with my grandmother by herself and even though I don't remember her being physically abusive she was very mentally she was very mentally abusive, you know, she was very mentally abusive, and, you know, it, that, you know, that took a toll on me, and being, you know, being young, being young, I really didn't know, being young, I really didn't know how to process it all, you know, so it's like, so it's like over the years with, you know, with her being mentally abusive to me, you know, and people don't think that mental abuse matters, but I will tell you, mental abuse, it matters. Like, it really does matter. And being a young child, being 12 and being mentally abused, I can't even begin to tell you how, how, I can't even begin to process and explain to you how hard that was for me, you know, because I already, you know, I already didn't feel loved at home, you know, so I already felt unwanted. So, you know, then starting to get abuse from what I thought was my safe place, that really took a toll on me, you know, and my grand, you know, whenever they got a divorce, my granddad, you know, I went over, I went to his place sometimes, but I really didn't feel comfortable going over there. And after a while, you know, my mom stopped letting me go over there because he he ended up in a bad neighborhood. You know, he ended up in a bad neighborhood. And I'm not sure if he was, I'm not sure if it was, if he was doing drugs before they got a divorce, but I do know after they got a divorce, he began, he started drugs and you know, he started getting mixed up with the wrong people, you know, and I remember this one, this one lady, he started seeing after, you know, after the divorce, I remember this one lady he started seeing, and her son was a drug dealer, you know, I'm not sure, I'm not sure of the situation, so I won't speak much on it, but her son shot my granddad in the foot. And after my granddad got shot, after he got shot, that, that was the last time my mom ever let me go to his home, his house 
I wasn't there when he got shot, but you know, after after we heard about it, you know, that was the last time I was allowed to go to his house. His house, I did still see him some after that, but it wasn't very much because after that he became homeless. You know, so sometimes I would see him on the streets, but I really didn't see him that much. But going back to this lady that he starts seeing, she had, I I don't remember if they were her grandkids or if they were actually her kids, but she had three kids, you know, and it's like they came in and it's like, you know, it's like they came in and it's like they, they took my place, you know, and that, that really hurt me. Like, it really hurt me because of the simple fact that I was, I was closer to my granddad than I was to anybody. You know, my granddad knew me, my granddad knew me better than anybody knew me, you know? And so whenever they came in, you know, and they took my spot, I felt like, I felt like my granddad, you know, I felt like he forgot about me, you know, because I really felt like he forgot about me. Like whenever I would go over there, like they had a room, you know, they had a room and I had to sleep in the living room on a air mattress by myself, you know, and it was like, dang, I was here way before they were, you know, and that was that was actually the first time I tried to commit suicide in his back in my granddad's bathroom you know and they were all there you know and you know I was in the bathroom and I was just I don't know I literally had a mental breakdown you know like literally I had a mental breakdown I was crying you know I had a I had a razor blade to my wrist you know and the sad part about it instead of those kids trying to stop me from committing suicide they were egging me on to commit suicide they were like I bet you won't do it I bet you won't do it I dare you to do it I dare you to do it you know and with the mental state that I was in I did I tried. I I cut my wrist several times. I cut my wrist several times. And, you know, my granddad, he wasn't at home at the time. But when he finally did come home, you know, he walked, you know, he he tried to, you know, he, I'm not going to say he tried. He did, you know, he knocked the bathroom door open. You know, and I was just, I was sitting there. You know, I was sitting there with bloody wrists. I didn't, I didn't cut myself, I didn't cut myself deep enough to really do any harm, but I was sitting there with bloody wrists, you know, and I remember him just wrapping my wrist up. And, you know, I remember him just giving me a hug and asking me why, you know, why, but I couldn't find the words to tell him. You know, I couldn't find the words to tell him how I felt. You know, I couldn't find the words to... I couldn't find the words to even begin to explain why 
I wanted to take my own life, you know, and like I said, that was the first time that I tried, and, you know, even thinking now, I've always had a hard time being transparent, you know, I've always had a, I've always had a hard time expressing how I feel, you know, because as a child, and I mean, even now, but, it, you know, worse as a child, I was very quiet, you know, and, you know, coming from, coming from a household <laughs> or even a family, a black family, you know, and I'll, I will say this now, this is the most, this is the most stupidest thing that our parents or adults could have ever told us at a young age and it was it was this one little simple thing that made us afraid to ever open our mouths to ever make that made us afraid to ever speak out and it was this stupid stupid saying whatever stays in this house whatever goes on this house goes on in this house stays in this house I'm sorry I'll say it again whatever goes on in this house stays in this house and I think and I think that's what stuck with me because I was afraid to speak you know I was afraid to speak out I was afraid to was afraid to tell how I felt you know because I was afraid that I would be punished or something because I was always told growing up whatever goes on in this house stays in this house so you know that was the turning point of where it all where it all went downhill for me you know and mentally mentally I have suffered I have suffered mentally a lot my whole life I have mentally suffered you know and it's been so hard because just imagine being just imagine being so young dealing with mental health issues and then growing up and going into your adult life with them you know and in black families and black families it's like therapy is non-existent you know it's like therapy is very frowned upon for whatever reason you know and it's like back then if I would have had a therapist, if I would have had somebody that I could talk to that I felt that I felt comfortable enough to talk to, you know, it it wouldn't have went my depression wouldn't have went on that far because I needed help. You know, I really I really needed help and the signs were there. You know, the signs were there that I needed help. The signs was there that I could use that I could use some help that I could use something but it's like nobody cared enough to notice nobody cared enough to do anything you know but that was only the starting point too many more mental breakdowns and more depression 
you know, and it's very important that, you know, you pay attention, you know, you pay attention to yourself, you pay attention to those around you that you care about because you never know, you know, you never know what people are going through and the signs are there, you know, so it's just important to pay attention, you know, and many people say, well, if people are so depressed, why don't they just seek help or why don't they just talk to somebody, you know, and I'll tell you from firsthand experience that it's not always easy to talk to people about your depression. It's not always easy to tell people about what you're going through because whenever you're dealing with depression, whenever you're dealing with mental health issues, you know, you feel like nobody cares about what you're going through. You feel like nobody cares about your feelings and you feel like nobody understands, you know, and it's not that I never tried to get help. You know, it's not that I never tried to talk to anybody, but literally, you know, I've expressed to somebody that I was depressed. I expressed to somebody that I was on the verge of taking my life and they laughed in my face, you know, so it's not easy to express your feelings of depression. It's not easy to express what you're going through because truly people don't understand unless they've been where you are. You know, there's a lot of people out there that think depression isn't real. There's a lot of people out there that think that people that claim to go through depression are just crazy, you know, and It's very hurtful, you know, it's very hurtful and it doesn't help because that makes people want to be even more closed mouth than ever. That makes people just want to shut up and just continue to hide in their own mind, you know, and that's not good because sometimes when you're alone with your thoughts, sometimes when you're alone with your mind, The devil can really attack your mind. The devil can really have you thinking that nobody loves you and that people will be much better off with you not around, you know, so that's not good, you know, and I'm here to tell anybody, anybody that may listening, be listening, anybody that may be dealing with depression right now, that there are people out there who care about you. There are people out there that love you. There are people out there that make, that want you to be around. Nobody will be better off if you're not here. You know, you have to ignore those. You have to ignore your mind because whenever you're depressed, you know, whenever you're depressed, it's like you're having a conversation with yourself. So it's not, it's not other people telling you that, you're not loved. It's not other people telling you that people don't care about you. It's not other people telling you that they'll be happy that you're not around. It's you having a conversation with yourself. 
and the devil attacking your mind, telling you all those things. But I'm here to let you know that Shani cares. Shani understands what you're going through and Shani loves you. Okay. You know, if you guys, if you have to reach out, if you need somebody to talk to, you know, I am, I am always available. You can reach out to me through email. You can reach out to me through my Facebook and I will listen there. This is a no judgment zone. This is a safe place, you know, cause I've been there. I have been there and sometimes, sometimes I still find myself there, you know, not feeling like it's safe to talk to people, you know, and when I feel like that, when I feel like I can't talk to people, I just take it straight to God, you know, because God is, he is, that, that is enough. God is. You know, he's my comforter when I need comfort. He's my confider when I need a confider, when I need somebody to confide in, when I need somebody to comfort me through the things that I'm going through. And I feel like people can't do it. I just turn to God, you know, even if you have to create a place in your home, a place in your space, wherever you may be. If you have to make you like a prayer closet or a prayer corner, whatever, do that. You know, I'm I'm currently working on my prayer closet. It's not finished yet, but I'm currently working on my prayer closet and getting some things together for my prayer closet because I feel like that that's my special place for me and God. You know, nobody else. That's my special place for me and God, you know, but again you you guys just have to you know pay attention you know and for all my listeners that are going through it right now going through depression mental health issues whatever you may going be going through right now i just want you to i just want to let you know that you're not alone okay you're you're not alone and you can make it through this you can get through it I know it seems hard right now. I know it seems like the world is just on top of your shoulders. I know it feels like it seems like you will never make it through. I know it seems like you'll never see the light at the end of the tunnel. But I just I'm here to let you know that it's there. The light is at the end of the tunnel. You know, and sometimes we have to go through some things to get through, to get to some things, you know. And even though we may not understand why we have to go through what we go through, trust that God has a plan. God has a plan and just trust his plan because what you're going through, it may not even be for you. It may be for somebody else so that you can help somebody else get through what you're going through right now. And I know that may not make any sense to you, but trust me, one day it will. So again, I'm your host, Shani. I thank you for listening in and I look forward to speaking with you next time.